Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the indefinitely inconspicuous Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation, home to The Open Bell podcast, helpful videos, instructional materials, and coming soon, super cool merch. The World Trumpet Federation is committed to becoming your favorite place to seek inspiration, enhance your teaching, or share a laugh with your fellow trumpet geeks. When you pick up your horn, we want you thinking WTF and finding your way to the WorldTrumpetFederation.com. And by Picket Brass and Blackburn Trumpets. For years now, so many of us have trusted Peter Pickett to design and build the finest quality mouthpieces and backboards. He is a true craftsman of the highest order. And it has been very exciting to see his company grow to include Blackburn Trumpets, a brand that has been synonymous with quality and individual attention for years. And the latest out of Lexington, Kentucky, is the exciting news that they are now expanding that Blackburn tradition into their Picket dealer network. You can already visit Milano Music in Arizona and talk to Josh Whitehouse. And very soon you'll be able to go to Dillon Music in Woodbridge, New Jersey, as well as Rich Ida's Instrument Shop in Atlanta, Georgia. All this to say, Picket Brass and Blackburn Trumpet continue to grow, expand, and meet the needs of a discerning trumpet community. The future is promising at Picket Brass and Blackburn Trumpets. Do yourself a favor and check them out at www.picketblackburn.com. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, a couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to cover information that is essential to the health and well-being of trumpet players, or just stuff we want to talk about. Gentlemen, shall we? Today's segment of Warming Up is brought to you once again by Chop Saver Lip Care. Everyone here at the Owen Bell and World Trumpet Federation uses Chop Saver, made with all natural ingredients and no camphor or menthol. It works especially well after long practice sessions or demanding performances. Personally, I notice I just don't need to use it as often as other products, and I feel good about avoiding all those unwanted chemicals. If you're serious about lip care, and why wouldn't you be, try Chop Saver. Okay, Brian, what kind of truncated trumpet tail do you have for us today? <laughs> These are getting better. <laughs> wow. That was impressive. <laughs> well, I'm not sure um, that many of our listeners know about the North American Brass Band Association. Oh. They're, they're not standing members of NABA? I mean, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah, well, you get a couple different links if you just type in NABA. How, how does that work? Is there a card or? You get there is a card. Them? There used to be a card. You certainly get passes at the you competitions. <laughs> Ostensibly, it's uh, it's the group that supports brass bands across the country, North America, uh, United States, and Canada. And it also well, wait, not, um, not Mexico. No, you said North America. Sorry, yeah. Mexico is part of North America. He's yeah, right. That, I that like is. that. I like that part of North America. I agree. Really good food there. It's the best food. That's it right. hasn't been one of the outreach. Do you know what no one's ever said? Let's go out for Canadian. <laughs> this is true. I don't know, man. Or British. Right. What? No, we none but that's of us not part, that. But that's not part of North America. What about poutine, though? I do like poutine. If poutine's I'm good. I'm just saying. It's yeah. not tacos. But that, it's but not tacos. No. 
If I had to choose one, I'm choosing tacos. We could go poutine tacos. No, we can't. Oh. We are not right. putting French fries in gravy right. and cheese curds inside in a of a tortilla. It's carbs on carbs. Yeah. Uh, Brian, That's not I'm to so, like. See what this, you've is, done, Brian. this is where KFC went wrong when they started using fried right. chicken as bread. Yes. Listen, episode 26. <laughs> Open Bell Foodcast. This is where yes. we're going. We're going to talk now about all of our favorite stuff. So I'm sorry, Brian. You were saying one about the cornet. You were talking <laughs> yeah. about how the North American Brass Band Association hates Mexico. I think it hasn't That's hasn't been part of the outreach was. agenda. Although it's a great point. Um, so it's on my radar this week because they just released a statement about next uh, next spring that the national championships next spring, and. Um, They've decided to do try and move to a one-day contest, um, and normally they there's a required piece. So um, they pick up, you know, a stupidly difficult test piece for each of the <laughs> divisions, um, and it's uh, what everybody everybody has to jump through the same the same hoop. And then there's also a an own choice section, so um, you can do whatever you want in your own choice, but. Um, the championships bands and and to be honest the top bands all now choose another basically test piece to perform and those are for the championship bands performed on two different nights and for all the other bands they perform them back to back which is kind of a drag um, to have to play that much that kind of music that much of it um, but they decided on February uh, April 17th they've announced it's going to be an own choice program um, and then they'll they'll give awards for different categories: best soloist, best um, section, um, best march. Um, and so it's it'll be a little bit more open because they recognize that many of the bands haven't been able to rehearse um, or rehearse very much. Um, like in in the UK, I know that uh, like the Corey Band in Wales, they've played together I think once since mm. since March. Wow. Um, so they've already canceled their regional championships uh, in the new year, um, and so they're hoping that this is going to happen in April with a new announcement about the possibility of a vaccine. Not sure how many um, people are going to be able to get the vaccine um, before next summer, um, but they've announced this, and so they've truncated it to one day. Anyways, just on my mind that it's that it's back and relevant after literally a year um, when we just didn't get to have it. We um, need and you then, to define relevant in these terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it keeps coming up on the podcast. Uh, um, so, so it's an organization. It's uh, you, you know you pay a little bit of money to to join. Um, the band joins, and then it pays a fee to go and be part of the contest. Um, and it also looks like. Part of the initiative may be the the new ideas may be to try and branch out and do some educational components. There used to be like a featured band that they would have in. So like one year it was in Arkansas and they had the Grimethorpe Colliery Band came out for the week and they did master classes and a couple of concerts. Um, uh, they don't do that. It's cost prohibitive now for the for the organization to do that as well as put on the competition. Um, but it looks like it's. Um, they're going to try and make it happen for the spring, um, and I'm I'm hopeful that it gets to happen. That's great. Wow. Yeah. So you can look that up too, Joey Naba. But you should type it. in North American Brass Band Association. Otherwise, you get a a bodybuilding co organization. Oh wow! <laughs> so North American now, I wonder, I wonder if they include Mexico. Yeah. They <laughs> oh, probably do. Question. They probably do. Probably. They also don't include cornets. Yeah. So a win-win, in other words. So win-win on that website. <laughs> right. Brutal. Yeah. 
<laughs> Plus, what would you rather have in your history, to be honest with you? <laughs> The cornet search. That's Joey, what uh, what did you bring today to warm up? Uh, I brought this. I was doing a master class this week for a, a youth orchestra, and so a few of the students had they and made videos so I could look at beforehand and I could work with them individually and then do something for them. And one of the kids brought an etude from a book that I have not thought about in a long time. So I want to ask you two this question: mm -hmm. What is your favorite etude book that you think, or at least in your experience, seems to have for whatever reason fallen out of favor? that shouldn't have and i've got my answer based on what this student played for me so, so you want me to go first you want me to go third give you guys no, some time to think no you can you should oh i'm good i've got a couple dialed in because i think i use a couple of things that kind of get overlooked a little bit but why don't you go ahead so don't. what he played for me was from the 27 melodious and rhythmical exercises jl small. small yes that's my book right that's yes. the one and, and i thought right and i pulled the book out and I listened, I was like, right, these are terrific. These are really good etudes. They're especially good for, you know, aspiring high school students that are doing some work there. It's a good level. They're good etudes. Why do I not hear these more often? And I thought, wow, there are books like this all over the place. But that struck mm -hmm. me, right? You have I, some others? I use that. I use that. And, of course, they're similar in style to Bousquet, except that they're much easier to read because of the way they're printed. Well, there's a new the Bousquet out. I don't know if you know that. It's been oh, edited. Did, did you edit that book? Yeah, but it's I, got I, lots I, of mistakes in it. Well, this is the frustration. If I can go ahead and air <laughs> some dirty laundry right here on our podcast. Well, why not? I was contacted and asked to edit both the Bousquet and the uh, Goldman, which I spent a lot of time doing. And I got an email back from the publisher saying, all right, we're going to send you a proof and then uh, make sure you look that over and then we'll publish it. And I, I did not see a proof. And then I just got the books in the mail. <laughs> so I've had some friends contact me saying, Joey, you seem to, you're normally a pretty picky guy. I've noticed some problems here. And I said, yes, I'm quite angry about a lot of this <laughs> that I'm trying to hold in check. But they did reset them so they are easier on the eyes, the bousquet, the, the, uh, the one right. that says uh, that I edited. Right. And the odd part is some of my edits are there, but then there are some new mistakes, which only <laughs> makes me, as you might imagine, <laughs> really really frustrated a, a little crazy just a little bit but yeah. yeah that so what book was that that you were going for so but I, really interrupted you no but i was just saying like the jl small is that's one i use all the time and it's good for i like it better than bousquet because of the way it's printed and i also use it for transposition sure uh the other one and this is probably more commonly used is the conconi lyrical studies that sawyer transcribed there I don't are, know oh, that would qualify as falling out, man. Those Conconis they're, are... They're still great. But they're all I, I over mean, the place, I though. I love that book. Yeah. yeah. I use Conconi a ton. I use Bordoni as the fourth step in the transposition process. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I use the small, but I, I don't think the small is as good music as the Bousquet. I think that's true. But uh, yeah. So are, is there something out there you think isn't being used... Or has fallen out that that you think should still be out there. That's the question. I got one more. All right, go ahead, go Brian. Ahead. You got well. I, I, yeah, I have one more that I I didn't mm -hmm. even know it existed. I'm I'm kind of ashamed to say I didn't know it existed. It's the the Snedeker low etudes. Yeah, those are new though. I mean, the, Phil's you how know, old in is, our how, age? Our age range. Those have yeah. been around forever. Those have been. Uh -huh. around how that how long have how long has the low etudes been? I mean, that's liberal use of low F. Yeah. Which oh, I really think there's a, cool. There might be even a low E or two in that book. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I use those. Uh, I have a student right now 
who's a very good young lead player. And uh, in some ways, I'm like, let's check out that low register. And so we've been working our way through. And even this week came in, played through. And I said, wow, nice. He goes, yeah. Yeah, I think this practice thing might actually work. So, you know, we might be getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, those, mm -hmm. but those, yeah, Snedeker, uh, actually all I of Phil's it, books are really good, but the low A2s yeah. are, are, are really good too. I think you, I've been very impressed by those. Do you guys know the Peach Virtuosity Studies? 22 no. Virtuosity Studies? Spell How that. do you spell that? P-I-E-T-S-C-H. I do not know that. 22 Virtuosity Studies. Really kind of cool musical technical challenges. Hmm. I will check that out. This is that. one of the things my undergraduate teacher, Dr. Bill Becker, was amazing with this stuff, man. I learned so many etude books from when I studied with him. Really, yeah. really great. Yeah. yeah. So that's Very what I cool. was thinking about. What do you got for us, Bill? Well, yeah, the JL Small. I just wanted to say, I was going to yeah. say, that was that's the book. It did, I love it, that that's book. What, it just sparked it right there. <laughs> it is a good book. Uh, so I was recalling uh, this week when, when I first started to teach at Messiah, um, I had this great colleague who really was like a mentor to me, um, Dr. Bill Higgins. He was our woodwinds professor, music ed guy, and he had all these little pearls of wisdom all the time. But he said something to me and I was just just for the other day, I was just thinking about this. I don't even know why, but I recall him saying to me one time we were talking lamenting, you know, students practicing and they don't practice enough. They got to build this into their schedules and all this kind of stuff. And he said, this is easy. I don't understand the problem. And I'm like, OK, what's your what's your plan? And he goes, it's simple. You practice every time you get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If you get hungry, you don't go for food. You practice first and then you're allowed to go eat. Wow. So what a great mental I, discipline to build in. Right. But it's like I'm really brought it up because it, it's kind of a funny thing, but there's some interesting wisdom there. Right. right. Well, I like that. I wake up in the morning. It's not when do I eat? Well, let me go play some long tones and we'll have some breakfast. Right. Yeah. Not when do we eat? <laughs> when do we eat turns into after you practice. After you practice. Don't need one answer right. to that. Yeah. It's a little bit like James Clear habit stacking, right? You have to do X, so you stack the habit mm -hmm. you want to build on on top of that. You attach it to that. There you go. Yeah. That's fantastic. I really so I, like that. I thought it was great, but especially for students in you know, undergrad school who are just doing the thing like to classes and dorm and dining hall and all that, it's like there's your reminder, you know, a little hunger, which I think for me, if I really followed that thing, I would be practicing constantly. <laughs> 20 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> you don't burn enough just, calories on the bike you need I just, to eat i i'm in caloric deficit most days yeah anyway i thought you guys might find that interesting that's great that's a good so one. here it is mid-november and we're recording episode 25 of the open uh, bell 25 oh, interestingly it's our silver jubilee diamond that's jubilee. A, that's be. a lot of hours it is Interestingly, this is the episode that will be re will re be released. Excuse me, the week of Christmas. Hey, hey yeah, Merry Christmas, Christmas to those Co who celebrate. Coincidence? I think not. No. But this is also the week, the week that we're in right now, that we lost television icon Alex Trebek. Yes. Right. Sad day for all Jeopardy fans in the world in general. So to honor Alex Trebek. And it's a Christmas gift for our loyal listeners. Oh, boy, here we go. We're presenting round three of Joey Jeopardy. Oh, man. Now, today's topics. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. 
A Matter of Principle. All about principal trumpet players in the United States. All right. Category two. I'm charlier than you are. <laughs> this is testing, I like that. <laughs> testing your knowledge of the Charlie A book. Um, Charlie, Charlier, Charlie Char- S. Charlie S. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Category three. That's Sonata Concerto. These are questions about oh sonatas gosh. and concertos. Oh, man. That's good. Category sonatas four. and concertos? Yeah, that's Sonata oh. Concerto. Okay. Right. Category not concerti, four. concertos. You say concertos, not concerti. Well, you say tomato. I say shut Pajamas. up and listen. Right. Okay. <laughs> you say apples. I say lasagna. There it is. Okay. Category four, older than Bill. These are historical trumpet questions. There can't be that many. You're welcome. Did you? How did you get and, five? That's <laughs> show. The answer for show far, <laughs> show far, show good. Okay, and the last one, of course, duets. So before and after, combining names of famous trumpeters and others. <laughs> so before and after. So duets. All right, All right. Joey Jeopardy, round three. Uh, I think our winner last time was shockingly joey well we split i think didn't brian win the first you know, time so this is it. the time was a tie that's right so, all right so who wants to go first yes yeah, joey's I, honor i think uh, well let's go ahead and start off with the uh the principal players all right a matter of principle for 100 played in atlanta i do not have my buzzer ready and i don't think brian oh, does either my brian oh. come on I, I, neither one of us do hold to on me I, I have to say we as much as folding, i folding as much as i enjoy writing and answering the and hear you guys answer these questions or at least try the buzzers are my favorite part what the heck is going on that's <laughs> my epic fail buzzer <laughs> wow i can't sorry. even hear that i like you should all just, right, sorry. do we need a right. buzzer test are we ready yeah buzzer test joey chest yours right, hold on there all it right, is I'm brian ready. perfect Brian, you should you should do a pedal C to match Joey's dubba. <laughs> That's what, the way this should go. It's on okay. record. Joey, a matter of principle for a hundred. Played in Atlanta and Chicago before he moved east. Who is Joe? Chris Martin? There it is. Fast. He Let's is. keep going for two hundred. Two hundred. In his debut as principal trumpet in 2016, he performed Ligeti's Mysteries of the Macabre. 2016. That's you don't tell us clue. where? No. How do we know what orchestras are playing four <laughs> years ago? Pay attention. <laughs> 2000 principal 2016. Mm-hmm. I do not I don't know, know how, he, how long he's been there. Really? Mysteries of the Macabre. Um, so I'm, I'm going to guess. Oh, Brian. I'm going to guess. Who's Tom Hooten? Uh, No, I'm sorry. I don't know how long he's been out there. The answer, Chris Martin. Oh, you tricked us. There's never the same answer in the same category. I'm sorry. All right. Where are we? Joey, do you? 300. 300. This principal trumpet has been referred to as a musician of effortless, understated virtuosity. That could be a, a lot of them. It could be effortless, understated 
virtuosity. That's right. I'll read it again. It's kind of a All backhanded. Right. I'm gonna, this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a guess here. Joey. Who is Phil Smith? No. He is. Oh, <laughs> Brian. Who's David Bilger? No, I'm sorry. The answer, Chris Martin. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'll go 400. All right. <laughs> this principal, trumpet player. <laughs> who, who is Chris Martin? I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> I will kill you dead. <laughs> <laughs> this principal trumpet player played the world premiere of John Williams' Concerto for Trumpet. Joey, Mike Sachs. Mike Sachs. He already, wait. He already got that question wrong. That's true. <laughs> you did get it wrong. This isn't bingo. We don't get two answers. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bingo. <laughs> I think we know. I was joking at the beginning of that because three in a row were Chris Martin. I didn't. You're also smart to let you finish the question, but I will accept any penalty handed no, down by the judges. It's completely let's fine. Go to five. All right. For five hundred, a matter of principle. My this principal hurt. trumpet played the world premiere of Christopher Rouse's Heimdall's Trumpet. <laughs> I have no Christopher idea. Rouse's Heimdall's Trumpet. No idea. I don't I'm even know give that you, I'm going to give you another second and think about it. I'll read it again. For 500, you guys are failing miserably. Yeah, we're doing poorly. This principal trumpet played the world premiere of Christopher Rouse's Heimdall's Trumpet. Um, we don't know who is Chris Brian. Martin. Who was Chris Martin? <laughs> You're terrible. Well done, Brian. Terrible. I, well I done. The lead with that, right? Um, uh, well, no, tied. it's two to one. Okay. No, that's one, four, and five. We're tied. <clears throat> I got one and four. You got five. Okay. Oh, are oh, you doing the money? Whatever. We're doing the okay. math. All right, I know Brian. It's shocking that I'm doing the math. I know, Brian. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to duets. You get rid of that one. Before and Duets after. for 100. Michael Jackson goes to Costa Rica and Switzerland. <laughs> I'm so excited Michael by this Jackson. one. Michael Jackson goes to Costa Rica and Switzerland. <laughs> I really hope oh, you guys I... don't get it because I want to say it. <laughs> uh -oh. Is Got that it. MJC Domshalevsky? No. No. How could it not I'm sorry, be? that's not the right answer. That is the right answer. That is not the right answer. I, I want an appeal. That should be the right answer. You can appeal. That's, that's better than your answer. No, my answer is way better. <laughs> you, Brian, you have a guess? I, I don't have a guess. Okay. The correct answer, Joey, is Billy Jean Christoph Dobzieleski. <laughs> I'm in this. Oh, come on. I need I need half points for that because Michael Jackson is also MJ. Yep. Duets for 200. All right. I'm now angry. That's the whole that point. That didn't take long. That's the whole point. For 200 duets, he could have changed the course of history with a single backbore at the Battle of Gettysburg. The Oh, my gosh. And listen, you guys failed so miserably last time. I dialed it back this week. <laughs> we need you to dial it back again. I mean, for Pete's sake, one category, there was one answer the entire time. There were two. Well, okay. He could have changed the course of history with a single backbore at the Battle of Gettysburg. I don't know who invented bingo, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
This is there are listeners yelling, they're screaming at their devices right now. Unbelievable. No, I got nothing. Wow. Brian. <laughs> okay, here it comes. Peter Pickett's charge. Oh, jeez. Oh, you know where I was stuck? I was trying to get George Rabbi, which we talked about last week. I was doing the Gettysburg. That's where right. I was. Oh, that's I was, tricky. I was in the wrong place. Well, All he's right. a sponsor. We should have gotten that. All right, Brian. Go ahead. Duets for 300. Duets for 300. We're doing great. We're 0 for 2. <laughs> I'm will, 1 for 2, but we yeah. points for it. He will make you a new 3C, but what you really need is an old B3. Joey, I threw this over the plate um, for you. <laughs> Judith is at home screaming at her device right now. Say it again. I've got it. It's, he I've will got, make it's all you. There. The wheels are turning. I'm so mad. He, he will make you a new 3C, but what you really need is an old B3. Yes. That would Joey. be Carl Hammond B3 organ. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> all right you're let's welcome stay right, let's stay and, right there for uh for four and you're welcome carl yeah. all right 400 i'm very excited about this one too smooth jazz dulcet tones and 13 cupcakes to go smooth jazz dulcet, dulcet tones. tones and 13 cupcakes to go <laughs> hold on it's there oh who is Ryan? Chet Baker's dozen? Yes, yes, it is. Nice, <laughs> nailed it. I would not call nailed Chet Baker it. smooth jazz though. That might well. That, that was for Brian. There. I'm just trying to lure him in. The stretch. <clears throat> that was. Good. Oh, there it is. All right, oh, Brian. Where are we 500. going? Duets for five hundred. Landmark destination in New York City for visual design meets the architect of the jazz tet. <laughs> I got lost in the middle of that. <laughs> Landmark destination in New York City for visual design meets the architect of the jazz tet. Oh, you're going to kick yourself. He's got it. Joey? Is that the uh, Museum of Metropolitan Art Pepper? Oh, no. How close am I? Am I one you're, word off? You're close. Modern art? Is it not Metropolitan? Is it modern art? It's the Museum of Modern, modern art, art. Art Farmer. Art Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> the Museum of Modern Art Farmer. I was in the right ballpark. Nice. You were. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys uh, are doing okay. So it's me, right? Yep. It is to you, Brian. I'm, I'm charlier than you. Okay. <laughs> The best thing is just making you guys say the stupid things. <laughs> All right. I'm Charlier than you for a hundred. I am known as Charlie A2, but my real title is. Oh, oh damn it. <laughs> what didn't is work either. Do style. Yes, Joey. Do style. Well done. Let's just say, let's go Charlier. Let's go Charlier for two. I'm Charlier than you for 200. Number six <laughs> is do style. And number eight is intervals. But I am number seven, and my title is. Oh crap! Uh, <laughs> I love this so much. This is where I get the numbers turned around. <laughs> it's okay because I, I looked this. I this is one of my favorite ones, and I actually had the wrong number in my head when I opened the book and went, "Oh." 
I see Brian looking off screen. I'm getting no, I'm not. I'm not dubious. <laughs> I would I would like to cheat, but I'm I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Else. I don't have that mm, one. Okay, do mechanism. Ah, oh, right, yeah. Right I love that one. Let's stay there for three. I'm Charlier than you for three hundred. In two thousand two, friend of the Open Bell uh, wrote a special supplement for the ITG that helped us teach Charlier. Who's Jim Olcott? Yeah, I I didn't say that really well, but yeah, you're right. Sorry, I stuttered in the in the middle of that, but you're correct. Jim Olcott. There it is. He wrote the Charlie A Companion. Well done. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm Charlier than you for four hundred. <laughs> my name says rhythm, but my lovely D minor line in six makes me more than just a good dancer. What? <laughs> It's like wait, okay. it's like twelve or something. My name says rhythm, but my lovely D minor line in six makes me more than just a good dancer. D minor. Uh, uh, um. What number? Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. This might be my favorite etude in the book, by the way. Now I'm angry again. I can see it. I don't know what number mm -hmm. it is. No, Brian. Um, I have a guess, but I don't want to cost it. I don't want my point. Take the guess. Cost me points. Okay. Um, so what is Charlie ten? You are correct. Nice. Ten. Good call. Yeah. Do rhythm, but that lovely D minor thing in six is really great. All right, Brian. To you. Uh, I am Charlier than you for five hundred. <laughs> Charlie number thirty six. The last etude in the book, oh, crap. you guys have never made it that far, is dedicated <laughs> to what specific technique? It is the title of the etude. Oh, Brian. What is the tremolo? Uh, yeah, should we allow it? Les trills. Oh, it's the no, trill. trills, not yeah, tremolos. Not tremolos. No. Okay, so you can't allow that. No, we cannot allow it. That is, that one is beat to hell in my book. It's just <laughs> in tatters, just hanging by a thread. All right, Brian, where are we going next? Um, so we're going, uh, this is Sonata Concerto. That's Sonata Concerto. <laughs> that's, Sonata Con that's Sonata Concerto. There you Sonata go. Sonata Concerto. That's Sonata Concerto for 100. For 100. This composition's initial instructions state with strength and vigor. What Joey. is the Kennan Sonata? That is correct. Yeah, well done. Which is even cool. stay right there. Play that on the master's recital. That's Sonata Concerto for two. Mm -hmm. He's quick. For 200. Playing Tim's cadenza is the only real option when doing this work. What is the Artunian Concerto? That is correct. Come on, Brian. He doesn't think Tim. He was thinking Tim Morrison. <laughs> it's Timofey Dokshitz. <laughs> Tim's. Right. Tim. Yeah. Tim. Yeah. Bill's on a first name basis. <laughs> Kidding me? He could, I mean, we could call him Timmy, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's go just... there for let's stay there for three. That's Sonata Concerto. That's Sonata for Concerto. <laughs> this Allegro Siciliano Allegro configuration gets way too much attention from high school trumpet players. This Allegro Siciliano Allegro configuration gets way too much attention from high school trumpet players. Allegro. Siciliano Allegro? Yeah. 
seriously? Nope. I'm not wow. sure what you're talking about. Brian, no, I'm about well, I'm, I'm either talking about a Sonata or a Concerto. Yeah, we, we know that much. We just don't know which one. Well, I'm going to read is it, it one more time. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we both folded. You're going to feel so bad for folding on this. It's the Haydn. Yeah, wow. that's bad. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Really bad. All right, I know you're going to edit this out. Yeah, I'll take that out and see. <laughs> right. I'm going to. You'll hear this. <laughs> Hayden over the top. <laughs> let's, let's just finish it off for five. Are we there? It's four hundred. Let's go to four. That's Sonata Concerto. That's for Sonata Concerto. You're welcome. <laughs> oh man. Composed in 1955 and arranged in 1978, her concerto is a beautiful contribution. Is that Pakmatova or Pakmutova? I'm not sure how to pronounce yeah, it correctly. I always say Pakmatova, but I'm probably... I learned Pakmatova, but I don't know if that's correct. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's a terrific piece of music. It's either wrong or really pretentious. Yeah, or both. Or both. So uh, can we go finish it off for five, please? Right. That's Sonata Concerto. That's Sonata Concerto <laughs> for, for five. 500. At that big moment when bright doesn't really mean bright. What is the middle of the first movement of the Hindemith? Yes. Oh, well done. Yeah. It took me years to figure out not to play that that way. I, I don't think it did. No. <laughs> we beg to differ. Well, now I'm going to go to the hardest category here because none of us have any idea of anything older that's than Bill. Older than Bill. Older than Bill. For 100, please. Oh, As man. I like to call it, living history. <laughs> older than good. Bill for 100. Johan trusted him implicitly for his superhuman strength and soaring high notes. Who? I would say, you didn't say Johnny? I'm going to go with who is Gottfried Reicha? And you would be correct. Wow. You're yeah. quick at these. Yeah. But when, since you went Tim, I was surprised you went Johan. <laughs> let's, let's say older than Bill. JB. For two, please. <laughs> older than Bill. JS, you mean. Right. Well, not if you... Johann Sebastian Bach. JS would have been. Everybody calls him JS. But those of us that knew him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, weren't you weren't you second chair to Godfrey? Weren't you right sitting next to him? Third. <laughs> Who's on third? Old Bill. <laughs> Old Bill. Okay. Uh for two hundred. He didn't have Rika's strength, but George wrote lots of notes for this now famous player. George wrote lots of notes for this now famous player. Is that what you just said? That's what I said. He didn't have Rika's strength, but George, you'd have to piece together who George is. I think is. I know who George is. I just don't right. know who his trumpet player wrote was. Wrote lots of notes for this now famous player. Oh, really? I thought this would be over the plate. I thought Brian would kill this. Well, you guys have doctorates. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're talking about Telemann, right? No. Oh, no, because there's some great trumpet stuff there. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't have Rika's strength, but GFH... Wrote lots of notes for this now famous player. Oh, I didn't know. I don't know the answer to that either. Brian, you out? Yeah, I don't know who Handel, Handel's person was. Valentine Snow. I did not oh, know that. I did know yeah. that. Oh, I did, yeah, know I, that. Did, I did not know that. <laughs> Brian, someone wake Brian. Yeah. All right. Let's go to three. Mm -hmm. Living history for 300. <laughs> Older than Bill. <laughs> Older than Bill. He didn't need no stinking valves, and I'm out, to do a world premiere. Oh, um, crap. you guys are an embarrassment. Oh my God. You're an embar there are people again screaming at their devices. Uh, 
He didn't. I, I don't need think no people st- without valves listen to podcasts. <laughs> no. He didn't need it's... no stinking valves, and I'm out to do this world premiere. To do this world premiere, maybe the world premiere, the lead, of the lead all play- world, yeah, premieres. it's the lead player in Vienna. Um. <laughs> wow. Oh, my brain just froze. I don't know his name. And I don't want to make you feel bad, but I asked one of my undergrads today. Oh, and I they went knew, through this list, and they killed it. And it yeah. wasn't even an upperclassman. I didn't. I don't know this name. It's shameful. Anton Weidinger. Yeah, Weidinger. Damn the keyed bugle for the Haydn. Yep. It didn't have <laughs> valves. It had keys, though. That's what threw me. A key's not a valve. Not if a you're valve. correct, that's why it threw me. Right. So are we at 400 exactly. now? And trust me, those were not easy to play. No, this is we're 500. We're at 400. <clears throat> 400. No, that was 400. three. Now we're that was four. three? Yeah. 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 They're getting easier. My contemporaries were 400. <laughs> In 1631, he was the chief court trumpeter in Tuscany. Oh, come on. Wrote a treatise and extended our range to C. Yeah. This is this is one of those doctoral oral <laughs> questions that I don't know the answer to. Brian, you got nothing? You guys, I can't believe you the saved treatise. this category for last. Yeah, you wrote a famous treatise that extended our range. Nope. All right. Nothing. The title of which was Tuscan? Press Harder. <laughs> Press and Blow. <laughs> Girolamo Fantini. Yeah, I did not Fantini. know that. Yeah. Well, let's finish it off. 500. I didn't know that either. 500. Big, big, big finish. Here it is. <laughs> oh. Italian trumpeter who spent his life in Munich and wrote the first known source of published lessons. Crap. Wow. <laughs> Joey did a lot better when it was like, wow, who blew wow. lead and tower of power? <laughs> well, right. That's relevant. And Brian did better with, who sat on the corner in Black Dyke during the... Yes, yeah. I have no idea the answer During to this. the first world. Italian trumpeter who spent his life in Munich and wrote the first known source of published lesson material was Cesar Bendinelli. Yeah, I didn't I know that either. Wow, I knew that. <laughs> I thought you guys would kill that. Wow, there it is. Wow. That race to the bottom, I think. That was exciting. That Great was exci- finish. And as much as I dumbed this one down, I could see the next one's going to have to be really dialed back. Yeah. You can hear we'll it now. Make it a call in yeah. show for that part. Mm-hmm. A very common trumpet, the Bach 30 blank. Yeah. <laughs> Fingerings for A. <laughs> that will kill. This category. <laughs> Which octave? Joey wants to know which octave. And so does right. Scott. Well, you're right, because I will tell you funny high A stories, right? It's, you know, that yeah. can always be a kind of a weird note. And then trumpet players are always like, is it one and two? Do you play it three? You know, on top of the, just the one right on top of the staff can be, you know, two if it sits high for you. But then, you know, who's got the best highs in the business? Wayne Bergeron, right? Mm-hmm. How does he play his high A's? First valve. Wow. <laughs> oh, he's my people. And I and you and you look at it and I'm thinking, but wait a minute, that can't be right. A's one and two, and then you listen to him and go, or it's first valve. <laughs> Sounds pretty right. So, or the time that Joey came to visit, did a residency at our place. I said, I got this weird thing going on, so I play an F for him above C, and I play it open because that's the way it centers up. And he looks at me and he's like, what What's What's going on? Yeah, that's not okay. And you I was can't like, do that. I go, I don't know. It just works better. And he goes. All right, well, hold on a second. How do you play F sharp? And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really have an F sharp. Well, and you and he, told me I can't play F sharp or G is what you said. Yeah, right. And so he goes, have you tried first valve? <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, no. And he goes, you should do that. <laughs> F sharp comes down. <laughs> he goes, your problem isn't range. You don't know your fingering. <laughs> 
That is what happened. That is exactly what he said. That's beautiful. You don't have range issues. You don't know your fingerings. <laughs> All right, boys. It's time for a couple of things. So the term schools of trumpet has been thrown around for years, and we've received more than a few requests to cover it on the show. Some of these quote unquote schools are associated with actual universities and others with names of specific teachers. Some are associated with specific techniques or theories. So what is a school of trumpet and what does it take to be labeled as one? And how do we manage all this information? Guys, what do you got? This is one of my favorite subjects in all of trumpet. Uh, <laughs> Joey's been waiting weeks for this one. I've been pushing hard for this one. And I, I'm not sure we have enough time. I'm not sure there's enough bandwidth to cover everything I would like to cover. But let's let's start with, I guess, your original question is, what is a school of trumpet? And right. I think these are essentially self-identified as belonging to a s specific pedagogy, right? So are they self-identified or is it just longevity or volume? Oh, no, I think it's self-identified. And here's why I think that. Um, if you think about uh, I know we all have we I think it's interesting the three of us we've talked about our histories and where we come from right mm -hmm. and one of the places I come from is from Barbara and Charlie right right and so right. I studied with Barbara during my undergrad and Barbara has been you know for lack of a better term churning out really really uh, productive and, and and great students for decades but there's no Barbara Butler School of Trumpet. Nobody identifies as, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really from the Butler School or the Butler Geyer School. That's not a thing but I where think there are other people. Not yet. But it would have started by now. Yeah, I guess. Right? I mean, they've been doing this for over 30 years now. You know, right. so by right. now, you know, they've got they've got over 30 years worth of students that are teaching, playing in orchestras, doing all kinds of stuff. But there's no school there. So I do think this is something that is absolutely self-identified. Wow, interesting. That's, that's my contention. Because I think it, it, otherwise, you know, there are people who say like, well, yeah, I'm from, I play, I've come to Chicago school, or I'm a, I'm a stamp player, I'm a Reinhardt disciple, or I'm a Caruso, you know, this is where I come from. Or, you know, I teach at IU, and there's the Bill Adam thing that's still, uh, you know, Mr. Adam passed away just a few years ago, and he taught here for about 40 years, and that legacy is still strong, and those students still think of themselves as Adam students. So mm. self-identified by the student, not by the teacher. Well, I think there's a combination of that going on, depending on where mm. you look. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I do think, can we agree generally on that, or is that a point that we should discuss a little bit? No, I think, I think no, it's I, a point I'm of clarification, of, but we're yep. good. I think we're good. Yeah, we're with yeah. you. Because you hear, you hear more the names of teachers than you do anything else. Right. right? And you, you just said Mr. Adams. So you said the Adams School. What, what else? We got Caruso, right? We Caruso, got Stan. Right, absolutely. Uh, Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Chickowitz. Uh, uh, Chickowitz, yes. Uh, just generally, um, uh, with Chickowitz goes the Chicago School, which was mm -hmm. bigger than trumpet, more into even brass as a whole. You know, there, there are all those sorts of, I think uh, those are a, a lot of the big ones. Safe to throw Arnold Jacobs into this. And I think that goes, I think the Jacobs, yes, I think so, uh, that also overlaps in Chicago as well as far right. as where people self-identify mm -hmm. as where they belong. So I, we, I love to go back and just kind of kind of build a list here to kind of give folks a, an idea of what we're talking about. It'd be great to go back and just do a couple of bullet points on these because I think we throw the names around. You sure. Know? Right. Um, but then I, I'd like to get into, and we can just throw these on the pile too, things like 
balanced embouchure, tongue controlled embouchure. Are those oh, schools? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why what Brian asked earlier, I think, becomes really important. Those aren't necessarily identified by the students, but are identified by the teachers. Oh, like right. those especially, like Jerry Callett and the tongue controlled embouchure. He, that was very much, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. And, and this is my pedagogy. And uh, I think it's uh, uh, the balanced embouchure. Now I'm forgetting the name, went out of my head. It's also, you know, it started with a book and started as a pedagogy of this is the thing. Yeah. So I think those are actually schools identified by the teacher themselves. And as the technique, as the as, gateway, yeah. As, the, you know, for lack of a better term, and this is where we're headed, right. the secret. Yeah, right. That's that's the thing, right? So yeah. let me throw this in before we before we circle back. What about equipment schools? I mean, is are those schools like the draw to uh, the Reeves mouthpiece or the Monet players or that? This is a different different I, thing. Well, I think I think that's different, but there's overlap. This is where it gets nuanced and gets complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, for example. Um, if we can dive in on my school a little bit, there's I think is a pretty relevant example that when Mr. Adam was teaching here at IU, there were always, there have been three trumpet teachers here for a long time, and now where we exist, you know, right now we've got me and we've got John Rommel, we've got Kevin Cobb, and although we're all different players and we're all different teachers, we all get along really well and want our students to get along really well too. Back in the old days here at IU, that wasn't necessarily the case. The trumpet studios didn't get along. So it was much more siloed. They didn't get along great. Mm-hmm. The trumpet teachers didn't get along nearly as well. So at that time, you know, Mr. Adam was teaching and was very much uh, a very much a Bach sort of guy. You play your Bach trumpet and play your three C mouthpiece and you're going to be fine. Not the saying that other things were terrible or weren't any good, but that was sort of almost a default and a leaning, right? Mm. But right next door is Charlie Gorham. Well, not literally next door, but also teaching at IU for a large part of that time is Charlie Gorham, who's right. another very fine trumpet teacher who does numbers of, of, of fine students all over the uh, all over the country. And Charlie was instrumental in helping, no pun intended, and in helping right. Dave and Mon- <laughs> helping Dave Monette get going. You know, Dave right. was here in Bloomington making lead pipes and fixing stuff up and making bells and starting to make his own horns, and Charlie was one of those people that was trying those out and playing those horns and putting those in front of students. So I think there's, there's some overlap there. There's some nuance to does your pedagogy, is it, is, does that influence your decision into equipment? Possibly. But you, I think you wouldn't have, I don't think you found any uh, of Mr. Adams' students playing any Monet equipment, but in the very same school, you did find Charlie Gorham's. So here's, here's another interesting wow, okay. twist, and I don't want to get us too far afield here before we go back and try to get some of these schools. Being the Western Pennsylvania guy that I am, the Shiner brothers taught at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh for years. Yes. The first thing that happened when you went to study with them was you went to their orthodontist and got braces on to oh get gosh, the teeth no, 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 no. in the yeah. perfect V shape in the front to play. And it wasn't just trumpet, right? It was, it was it trombone. Was trombone, yeah. 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 Oh, no. Yeah, so yes. my my colleague did that. Yeah, that and, was a uh, thing. I asked him. I asked him about it. He goes. He goes. Yeah, it was a major undertaking, and he said, "But I got to tell you, it worked. I got all. I got high notes all day." Well, that's what you hear. And there was the Shiner Lift Flexibilities book that went along with it. And okay, now I hear, I hear this as an anecdotal story, and I hear this secondhand. But where would all of those players be then? If this worked, if this was a universal, then how come I didn't see, how come that was never a school that was producing tons and tons of great trumpet players or trombone players? Hmm. 
I don't know. Where where are the professionals? Where is the proof in the pudding? And and quite possibly they could be all around Pittsburgh. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's where the players ended up regionally. But yeah, you're right. I don't know. You hear about people from some of these other schools that we're going to talk about Caruso and Stamp and Adam and Reinhardt and whatever else. But yeah, the Shiner thing, other than being a regional thing, apparently didn't make it to where you were. Well, right. Yeah, I've never heard. I've never heard of that. And that frightened and I've lived in a lot of different places. And that scares me to death. The idea that one dental procedure could make is is a universal (laughs) truth for brass playing. Something that is uh, really, really uh, has me uh, thinking, I don't think so. Right. Well, that's that's what we're talking about in general. We're going to get going to get into is that the one answer is really not what we're about. Right. Right. Like any of these things, any of these schools, and we, we can go ahead and circle back. I didn't mean to get us off of the oh, off good. the path there with that. But I think that that's that's a really great example. There are useful things in all of it. Right. Let's let's talk Caruso for a minute, for example, because a lot of people know that name and you hear things like, well, that's Caruso like or it's a Caruso like approach or these are Caruso studies. Let's sure. talk about that for a minute. Well, right. I mean, and I think what most people know about about Carmine Caruso is the musical calisthenics for brass. Right. Yep. That's that's the book. Right. And, and if you read that book, there's there's some fairly clear instructions that uh, among Caruso students are they saying, well, yeah, mostly kind of. But this gets to right. the root yes. of it. <laughs> yeah. gets, Most of us say that it's mostly right, but not totally right. And you're like, but this is the book. Right. And, and this is the important part of this, because what I believe is all of these people, and not all these people are trumpet players. Carmine Caruso was not a trumpet player. Uh, Donald Reinhardt was not a trumpet player. Arnold Jacobs is not a trumpet player. That these people were great teachers. I think there's enough evidence to show us that every one of these people was actually doing something and doing something well uh, that were the, of these people we're talking about uh, right up at the top. The problem comes, if I can go to this fast, because I I, I I hope I don't get myself in too much trouble here, but hey, it's our <laughs> podcast. We can do whatever we want. Say whatever you want. We can be in trouble. It's fine. Mm-hmm. The problem comes in two parts. One, when it gets written down and misunderstood, and then becomes that's the only thing it is because i think a lot of people the first thing you say about caruso is like oh so you play those six notes and then you get stronger well that's a why it's it's sort of like saying malcolm gladwell it's the ten thousand hour rule if you've actually read outliers that's not what he says that's not what it's about any more than caruso is only about six notes right so i think a lot of these things as soon as they get written down or and then this is the second part that's the first part the second part is the students of that tell you what they got from it, which may not be the whole picture of what the intent of the pedagogy is. Mm. So someone that came out of that Caruso who was really needed to figure out how to make a clear and full sound and said, this is the secret and here's how to do it, or someone else who came out who really needed to build range. And that's what they got out of it. And they say, this is what it's really all about. Where really, that may be what they got but that's not indicative of the whole pedagogy. So everything gets oversimplified, both by trying to condense it down to one sentence, like, oh, Caruso, six notes. Okay. <laughs> right, you know, the six uh, magic you know, and, notes. And, that's, and that's, that's way too oversimplified for anybody's pedagogy. And then pigeonholes it into one thing, and that turns into a real problem. Mm. Mm. But we all, I mean, I've, I've used the six magic notes with students, and I've used that premise of, right, 
locking the corners down, mm -hmm. getting through the entire exercise. Um, Vince's, the, the exercise that Scott does, it's, that's, uh, uh, interpretation of Vince's constant, constant set, right? Contact, is the, it's very yeah. Caruso-like in nature where you set the corners at the beginning and then you leave them there. And, right? but, and again, this isn't something, I don't think Carmine Caruso invented the constant set. Mm. He may be the first one who published it that way. Yeah. You know, for example, and this is self-serving, but, you know, the long tones that I do and that are up there, you, I would put them up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the difference between those and what Mr. Adam has been, gave his students forever is pretty subtle. Like, it's the same. It starts G, F sharp, A flat, A. Now, I do mine with a metronome on and a little more regimented, but I was doing these in a, in a practice room in Miami when I started grad school, and somebody came in and said, did you go to IU? And I said, no. I said, why are you doing Mr. Adam's long tones? And I said, who's Mr. Adam? Right. You know, so right. again, you know, I didn't get that from him, but boy, that's really remarkable. So when you say Caruso like, it's not shocking mm -hmm. that, that people, uh, multiple people can come up with very, very similar ideas or even similar exercises. Like if right. you look at uh, a, a, another self-serving, Louis Davidson taught here at IU. You've seen oh, right. his Trumpet Techniques book? It's yes. very, very good. Yeah. yeah. Boy, there's some stuff that's really similar to the Clark book in there. Yeah. Does that mean that he stole from Clark? Or does that mean he <laughs> happened to come up with that and like to do it in this way? They're right. chromatics. Yeah. Well, th there's the next thing, right? And we've kind of joked around about this too. Like, is a, a book isn't a school. In other words, we are... We are devoted to the Clark studies. Those four exercises have <laughs> oh my changed God. my life. Wow. But they yeah, have a place in our program. You're welcome. Every day. But I, I'm saying, <laughs> like, that Clark isn't a school. It's not no. a school of thought. Well, no, but Clark was never, uh, never established himself during his time as a, as a teacher. Right. But he did write four books. Sure. Right. But on, I, how, to, but, on how to get better with pretty detailed instructions. That nobody right, reads. But, but nobody but nobody but nobody reads the instructions. That's no right. But it. the other part is nobody was studying with Clark. Right. Very few. Right. Yeah. Because in the same way, when you look at somebody like Bud Herseth, that everybody this is uh, if we can get to schools in the larger picture. Yeah. One of the things you want to watch out for in schools is when they use uh, dead trumpet players as an example of their pedagogy. It's one of the things I love most. And it happens <laughs> an awful lot. Right. So <laughs> the people the, the people that everybody goes to is like you listen to Bud sound. He's doing exactly what I'm talking about. Or Maurice Andre was doing exactly what I'm talking about because they're not here to defend themselves. Now, Bud Herseth is someone we should be using as a model for mm -hmm. uh, like for sound and style and how to play principal in the orchestra because, wow, you know, he was amazing. Right. He did not do a ton of teaching. He did some. So, you know, there is no Herseth school of trumpet right. because nobody there aren't enough people who have studied with him to make one. Boy, but what a this is an interesting angle on it too, right? Because boy, he's an influencer, right? Like he's totally. A, you think about in terms of influence on someone's playing, and you said Andre too. I mean, that's what we grew up like. Right. That was Andre it. did more teaching though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know much, Joey, about the the Maggio thing? Yes. Yeah. Now that's these things like when you talk about Maggio um, and tongue controlled embouchure and balanced embouchure, those are more related as these are very specific ways to set up and play like technique for playing the trumpet. Okay. Where I think some of the other schools we're talking about here are more about, you know, we're going to get you further along, develop your playing rather than right. you should be set up this way. Yeah, interesting. Okay.
So you would put that in more with with something like Reinhardt, for example. Well, Reinhardt, I think, is one of the things it, it might be most the most misunderstood, quote unquote, school out there. Because that's if you the look pivot at system, that's right? the, the book is yeah. the encyclopedia of the pivot system. Okay. Now, I, I know some people who did study with Reinhardt. I never got to got to meet him. I, I don't know him. But uh, I went the to school with someone there, that did. Yeah. If, if you read that book and, and, and it's really some fascinating reading, what it appears to be is after teaching dozens and hundreds of students, what Mr. Reinhardt saw were patterns. If you're set up like this, here are your tendencies. And this is what he mm -hmm. wrote. So he started keeping these notes and seemed to be very well organized, which I, of course, really respect. <laughs> so he developed types, right? So there are types. There's type, you know, there's, there's, there are numbers and letters. There's a type 1 and there's a type 4A and a 4B and a 3A and a 3B. And he's saying what that means is you seem to be set up this way. And if that's if you're set up this way, here's what I've seen. This might be you find this to be easy and these might be things you struggle with. So you may want to address that by practicing these ways. Now, what has happened over the years is you go and get typed. They tell you so you find somebody to tell you what type you are and then they tell you what you're good and you're bad at. Wow. <laughs> which is n not great. So no. it, it wasn't really about setting up a specific way. It was more about seeing how you are set up and then working from there. Right. Yeah. Which is well, what you really want in a teacher anyway, to take it, you from, see, to actually listen and actually watch and say, okay, I'm seeing and hearing these things. Let's attack those issues these ways. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is why what I'm saying, like these people we're talking about, we're talking about Reinhardt, we're talking about Mr. Adam, we're talking about, we haven't talked about uh, uh, Mr. Chickowitz yet. Mm -hmm. These were great teachers. Right. So that they have schools, although I think we all find them to be a little, at least a little bit problematic. I, my problem isn't with them. Mm. It's with the interpretation of them, maybe. And if we can get to this place, let's, can we go there? Are we yeah, ready? let's, yeah, we're yeah. there. Yeah, I think we're there. Here's, here's my biggest problem. It's the exclusivity of it. If we think about mm. the internet, right? Why was the internet developed? Evidently for social media so we could argue about religion and politics. But really, <laughs> the idea, it was developed for, by and for scientists so that they could share information so yeah. they weren't duplicating each other's results around the world. So like, hey, we had a breakthrough. Now we can move on from here, right? That's right, great. Exactly. It's such a great idea. This is what I want in trumpet pedagogy. But as soon as you get yourself off into a school and say, hey, listen, sure, you might sound okay. And maybe you have some gigs. But my school is the one with the real truth and the real answers. And you guys just don't get it. And as soon as you've done that, You've siloed yourself away from the trumpet world, which means you think, one, you're better than, and two, you're not really sharing. And I don't like either of those things because, wow, how much great trumpet playing have we seen? Sometimes from people that we know and sometimes from people that we don't know at all and go, wow, that was incredible. Like, oh, well, take uh, when we were down in San Antonio, when you brought Tom Hutchinson down there. <laughs> Nobody knew Tom. Right. And he played in that right. rehearsal and everybody went, um... <laughs> it's that guy because he's great and you could yeah. hear it and you could see it and it was done right there's no arguing about that it's not well wait a minute with whom did you study before yeah. i decide what if school? you're any good yeah. right we don't care if you're without that there are great players that come from everywhere well, everywhere in the world
And isn't it the mix of all this actually that can really make a contribution? You think about teaching undergraduates, right? And some of them need a little bit of Caruso, a little bit of that idea, but a lot of them need a big dose of stamp, right? Mixed right. in there. So the knowledge of what all these teachers brought and what these things mean is crucial for teachers. And, and stamp is another great one that gets really oversimplified, right? Because mm -hmm. you have the book and people are like, oh, so buzzing. So yeah, so stamp, that means sure. you go buzz, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we we know people that have, that have studied with, with Mr. Stamp, you know, um, uh, Tony Plogue, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And he can talk to you about studying with Mr. Stamp. We can go right there. Right. And Tony's a great teacher on his of his own, but also right. has that influence and can say, well, yeah, that's one thing we did and that's something he used. Right. But that by no means defines it or shouldn't define him as a teacher. Right. In the same way, when we talk about Chickowitz, which we haven't really talked about yet, and that whole thing about, you know, uh, to way oversimplify, you know, every study's a flow study. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, that's great advice. I don't think Mr. Chickowitz invented that, but it's really good pedagogy. Yeah. But I, and I also don't think that's the only thing he was teaching. Right. Mm hmm. Right. You know, in the same way with Mr. You know, with Mr. Adams teaching gets uh, can be way, 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 way oversimplified, too. Let the sound be your guide. Get your head in the sound, and everything else is just getting in your way. Sure, but that's so, not the only thing that was going on in the room. So I'm starting to think a little bit here as, as we talk about it. Caruso with the you know the musical calisthenics things to build strength, right? Uh, Stamp was an LA guy, right? West mm -hmm. Coast guy. So what do you associate with that kind of playing? Is it is it it's not just about this with Stamp, but you know high note playing and commercial playing. But I don't think of his students as being his most successful students to be in that arena. Do you? In interesting. And well, yeah, they're so orchestra I, guys, right? Mostly. Uh, mostly, mostly orchestra guys. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so I think about n knowing the little bit that I do about what Mr. Adam did at IU, but I think of that as being lead playing. I mean, he certainly had lead players that came through. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that was right. the focus of what he was teaching. And again, these right. are all people we didn't study with. This is all from us, at least secondhand information as well. But I've done a lot of I mean, as you can tell, a lot of research and a lot of talking to people who are there as this stuff is important to me. And 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 and, right. and I've often been accused of somebody who sort of bashes these kinds of schools. And I do. I absolutely <laughs> bash the schools. Right. No, you don't say. But but I'm not bashing the teachers. I actually believe right. all of all of these people to have been great teachers. Yeah, because ultimately, I think for us, and we've kind of we've danced around it here, and maybe just come out and said it. Our our issue is with just ruling everything else out because you're going to follow this one path because there's just way too much great information out there from a lot of places. Yes, there's there's so much great information. The idea that one person holds all of it, or enough of it, where you couldn't learn from anyone else is just a terrible educational philosophy and i'll just put it that plainly right and i've written about this before in my blog the idea of you know if all of your pedagogy comes from one person and that person is dead that means trumpet playing is now dying hmm. and i can't live in a world where i think trumpet playing is dying yeah. i i'm of the opinion that we need to keep growing and we right. keep growing by continuing the progress of trumpet so if you lock up and say, well, I'm in this school, and this school is this is the answer, and you guys don't get it, then you, then you're killing trumpet playing, right? And there's nothing wrong with the the homage to the teacher. I mean, my goodness, we're all grateful. We talk about our teachers all the time here, but 
But yeah, especially if they're gone and they're no longer contributing to what's going on, then there we've got to keep other sources going. Well, of course, right. And also to not sell yourself short. And we've talked about ego before, but the idea that, you know, that you studied with someone who was a great teacher, and that means you can't be a great teacher because they were is also a faulty premise, right? Mm. Because you could look at you know, I think uh, like one of my teachers, Barbara, we talked about before, Barbara did study with Mr. Chikowitz. She went to Northwestern. Right. So that means, well, I mean, he's the master. She can't possibly be as good <laughs> as that. Mm. Well, why not? She was certainly different and she's certainly done her own thing, but she's certainly been an amazing, and continues to be an amazing teacher. So why can't her students, and she's certainly put students out there that are teaching and playing in other places. You know, she's got what is she? And she has half of the Chicago Symphony, half of New York Phil, right? right. <laughs> so, right. you know, so. certainly her students have done pretty well. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah. And then those people are also teaching. Does that mean they're going to be worse? It's like that idea. And I had an argument with a, with a friend of mine about jazz playing where he was his contention was you have to start at the beginning because if you don't get it from the original source, you're just, then you're just making a bad copy of a bad copy, right? So if you think about the old mimeograph machines, right. which young students won't understand because <laughs> right. now we can just hit print again and make the same copy. But you know, you'd see the first copy was good, but the second copy wasn't quite as good, the third copy. His idea was that's what could happen. And I said, but that means that jazz is now worse than when it started by definition, and I don't accept that premise. <laughs> and the same thing with teaching. So if you come from a great teacher and you can't possibly, can't be as good as they are because they were great, you're just going to be 70 percent and then your students will be 70 percent of that then trumpet playing wouldn't exist already yeah fascinating and right? that's what happens i think when you we limit to one pedagogy or one school when there's so much great information out there i mean so much great teaching so much great playing is going on yeah. same thing I, happens when when students are going to going to go study with someone else a lot of teachers find that to be threatening and and I yes. and I'm like, why would you find that to be threatening if no, it's going to all. help your I mean, yeah. the goal is to help your student. If somebody says something that works for your student, that's great. That's not yeah. a bad I, thing. And I, I, I want to know what that was. Maybe I can help. Maybe that'll help somebody else down the line in the same situation. I do this with my students all the time. Like, so you're going home in the summer. Let me think about where you live. You should call. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You should email or I'll do it for you and go play for them. My high school teacher, the last lesson we had, he told me two very, very important things. One of which I was going to Juilliard. He says, watch out for dancers. They have ugly feet. That was valuable information. <laughs> and the other thing was this. Wow. He said, and he said, listen, you know, I, you've been a good student and you've done well here. You're now going to be studying with someone else. You have to go in there and buy in. And it may sound like similar stuff. It may sound like completely different stuff. Do what that teacher tells you first, you know, buy in, make that acceptance. And I have this discussion with my students if they're going off to grad school straight from here. Like, all right, now you're going to study with, listen to them. It's yeah. vital. Absolutely. I had a student a few years back, finished the undergrad with me, went on to do a master's degree and did the grand teachers. He did his family tree of trumpet playing, <laughs> right? You seen this? This is like a really, it's kind of a cool thing. So, you know, started contacting previous teachers to say, with whom did you study and trace the whole thing back? And of course it all goes back to like Chigowitz, right? Or it all goes, right? And the, the whole thing goes back, which is really, really fascinating. Uh, I'm only once removed there because I studied with Keith at North Texas, who studied with Chickowitz. So right, but it, but if that looks know. like a straight line, 
Yeah, not cool. Like right. if your if your trumpet family tree doesn't have any branches, doesn't branch. This is <laughs> you this might, might be a warning be, sign. Yeah. You this would be a warning sign. You want to think broadly about this. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about our teachers here before. All of us come from a fairly you know broad array of teachers, which I think sure. turns us into the performers and teachers we are now. That's what makes progress. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just all you're doing is repeating the same things over and over and over again. That can't help. Right. Much in the final to grow. In the final analysis, nobody cares how you got to the island. <laughs> if you get to the <laughs> island by swimming or a helicopter dropped you, I mean, it doesn't matter what? who t- helped you get to the island. Why are we going to an island? Yeah. <laughs> you, the island is trumpet excellence. Oh, oh, you didn't tell us that. that would okay, I definitely know. want to be on that island. Yes. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The answer is, what is trumpet excellence? <laughs> Minus 300 points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so how you get there doesn't really matter. So if you take a little bit from all of these different schools or a lot from one and less from another, but you still get to the island, you're on the island. That's what matters. Hmm. Exactly. But even broader than that, and this gets back to what can bother me about trumpet schools is the idea of we have the information and it's ours and it's not yours. That's right. Mm. No. And, and as you know, we're doing this podcast and you know, I've written a bunch of stuff. You guys have written stuff. We all, we do master classes, we do clinics, we go out, we're literally giving this information away because, mm-hmm. because we want this out there. We want people to get better. We want people to grow. So if you're holding on to this and think you have some sort of secret, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. It all You're comes back to that. It does. Yeah. But and especially because as teachers, I think we all have a responsibility to know something about these schools because there is valuable information there, right? So yes. like I said before, a little dose of Caruso maybe. Maybe someone doesn't need that, but maybe they need a lot of Chickowitz or they need some of the stuff from Stamp, right? Yeah. Now, some of it falls outside the lines a little bit. Like, can we go back for just a minute to the Reinhardt thing? Sure. Because there could be people that don't know that. I actually went to school with a guy who was studying with Reinhardt at the time. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, really interesting. A trumpet player or a trombone player? Trumpet player. Okay. But the watch the pivot thing at play. Yeah. Was really crazy. Yes, because... Uh, if, if I can oversimplify again, and again, I didn't study with Reinhardt, the idea of you're set up this way, so if you do this, he had people essentially leaning into pivot, where I think all three of us would teach to lean out of it, would say like, you know, you don't really have to shift that much to do that. But here's the thing. There are people for whom that worked great. Right? Right. right. Yeah. And like, well, look at, I mean, Scott and I have been arguing about pedagogy publicly and privately for a couple of decades now, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, you have. Right. And we both we both know that we're right and we both know the other guy is wrong but here's the thing when you watch scott play so and you true. watch me play scott certainly sounds great right so i we can argue the fine points of this about what we're considering what we're doing but at the at the end of it it doesn't really matter because the proof is in the pudding and does it can you step on stage and play and the answer is yes so we can we'll continue to argue. I think we both enjoy it quite a bit. But neither one of us is shy about saying, "But here's what I'm doing, and here's what I think I'm doing, and here's what I'm conceiving of, and here's how I'm doing it," and then and then going, "Yeah, but you're an idiot," and that's actually <laughs> much more productive than us sheltering out and saying, "Yeah, my way's right," and Scott can't really play because that also comes out of these schools. Is if you're not in our circle, then you don't really count, which then becomes really crazy because if you're going to go hear somebody play. Um, when I saw 
uh, is it ITG up in Minnesota? It was Yuko Haryani, right? Is that, that's how you pronounce yes. his name, yeah. right? Haryani, yeah. Did you guys see yeah. that? Yes. He was doing a Finnish trumpet concerto with Minnesota Orchestra, and I've yeah. never seen him play live. I'd heard a recording here and there. He walked Stunning. out. One, yeah. he looked like almost like a robot. There was almost zero motion. <laughs> yes. And it was unbelievable playing. So I caught Manny and the guys afterwards, and I'm like, wow. Like, what was he like in rehearsal? And they said, just like that. <laughs> walked out, and it was just bang, you know. I don't know who he studied with. I don't know what he conceives of. I'm not sure how he's doing, but that playing was drop dead great. Yeah. None of that other stuff is exactly what Brian says. None of that stuff matters. I'm going to listen to that and go, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. right. Don't let your pedagogy get in the way of recognizing the greatness that's right in front of your face. Well, and th this is interesting too, right? Because you mentioned about how the schools uh, uh, many times are closed off, right? Like this is what we do. You you don't understand. You'll never know. Because right. you didn't do it. But if you really believe that it's that valid or that it's that great, wouldn't you want to proliferate it by sharing it with people or writing about it or including more people? Well, I think we agree that the answer to we, that is yes. yes. But I think there are, there's that idea of the we've got the secret. We're in we're in the club. We're on our so we're that, on it's our team. We're in the club. We know we're winning. The, uh, and we're Illuminati. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that that con yeah. that the idea of exclusivity is appealing because then you're you're on the you're on the right side and you're a winner and you're in the secret club. People love the secret club. Sure. So I think that has an yeah. appeal to trumpet players as well. Yeah. I just don't want there to be any secret clubs in trumpet. I want all the information out there because I think we should all be sharing in it. Absolutely. Lots of research supports that that just being human nature to be in the in group. Right. Uh, no matter what that is and how in at whatever inconsequential the behavior is. Mm -hmm. You want to be on the in group in the in group. Right. All goes back to Dr. Seuss. You want to be a plain bellied snitch uh, or a star or, bellied snitch. <laughs> there snake, you go. Right? I used that very same example this past week. <laughs> oh, wow. There it is. I did. It was <clears throat> and they looked at me for a second and went, oh, my. And it was in reference to, you know, modern day politics. There you and go. Just brilliance, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolute brilliant book. Well, if we didn't cover the schools perfectly, I don't know. I don't know what else we could have done. I mean, come on. That was a detailed, detailed. <laughs> Read Joey's dissertation. Discussion. <laughs> Any questions, please. We will follow up on this. If you have more questions, please contact us. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if nothing else, get out there and do some research like Brian did for this show. <laughs> so you know uh, exactly what we're talking about, it because there is useful information there across the board. Uh, well, this is going to segue perfectly into no offense. I think it's only fitting that today's topic is being singular. If you turn your nose up at other schools of thought. I can't be plural. I think I'm plural. I Potentially. <laughs> but if you turn your nose up at other schools of thought out of dedication to one particular school of thought or person, no offense, you're doing it wrong. Come on. Yes. Let's share the info. Well, exactly. I think uh, I often get accused of uh, bashing other things because, frankly, I do bash a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. But only after learning about it. Like, I'm not going out of my way. I'm going to go check everything out and then go, you know what? I think that's full of crap, and here's why. Right? Right. I'm not just bashing to bash, or I'm not bashing to make myself look good. I don't think it makes anybody look good. Putting other people down doesn't make you look good. It makes you look bad, too. Yeah, I mean, my teacher wrote a book called The Art of Trumpet Playing. It's pretty much all out there. 
Even yeah. if we wanted to keep it a secret, it's kind of <laughs> over. Right. <laughs> right. And that model of wanting to share it and put it out there uh, is, you know, I mean, I, that's the way it ought to be. I think we're on to something here. Yeah. Well, listen, that about does it for today. Thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe to whatever works best for you. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.